0: Yeah, thanks, Nick, for giving me this this opportunity. It's not something I uh, I take lightly. It's a, it's a tremendous privilege. But can I just say this before I start? Um, I'm going to use words such as us, together, we, because this is a message for all of us. This is not me downloading my greatest revelation. This isn't me telling us stuff. This is actually me just unpacking and having the privilege of being being able to unpack something that Jesus has for all of us. Is that okay? Um, So I'm going to intentionally use those words, and just a little disclaimer, if you don't mind. Um, When one is in the pulpit, when when one is given the opportunity to preach, sort of that and doctrine go hand in hand, it's, it's... you know, that's what we do. We we setting, we, we we teaching this morning, but if there's any part of this message this morning that you feel is visionary or directional, in your hearts, can I just ask you just to dismiss that? Because that's not my role here this morning. I'm not an elder in this church. Um my my job this morning is, is to teach and my job is to encourage. And that is a place where, where I'll be unpacking this this morning. And as you know, we in Book of Acts. We're in Acts 4 this morning, and I just want to give us a bit of a, a rundown what's happening. Just go through uh, 1, 2, 3 to set us up for Acts 4. We know that uh, the Book of Acts is the continuation of Luke's writing. Luke, When Luke is writing in the Book of Luke, he's talking about Jesus and what he did here on earth. His opening remark in Acts 1 is in my former book, Theopolis. Uh, 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 Examined, I I taught, I showed you all the things that Jesus had done. Acts 2 is sort of a continuation of that where Matthew was showing us what Jesus did and now Acts 2 is uh, Matthew teaching us or giving us an an, an, uh, example of how Jesus will continually working but through his people. In Acts 1 we see... Come on, open... (laughs) In Acts 1, we see the beginning of a Christian community formed. Uh, followers of Jesus, they see Jesus ascended into heaven. And for the first time, believers are coming together and trying to grapple, trying to understand this thing of what Chris, Christian community looks like. And even though we are year into a church bond, I, I believe the book of Acts is significant for us. Because we all in this new thing together. God is doing something new among us. And like the early disciples were coming together going, Hey, who are you? Yeah. God's adding to us just as an adventure church. We're in the exact same place. And with that, can I just say this? I've been around the block. I've been at New Day Church, Encounter, Grace Hill, City Hill. But coming into this church, I've had to uh, understand that That is old wineskin. That is some old stuff. I'm coming into this church with a a new fragrance, a a new way of looking at things. I cannot bring the old with me. I'm thankful for the relationships there through NCMR. But with all of us, we need to understand, actually, God is doing a new thing through all of us in this season. Acts 2, we are the dwelling place. 1 Chronicles 15. We see God's presence confined to the Ark of the Covenant. Now we're in a place now where, where His Spirit has been poured out. No longer is His presence in the Ark of the Covenant. It's actually through His people, the church. The church is God's reincarnation. His, his, Jesus made flesh amongst us as His people. <coughs> Acts 3, we see this being outworked through Peter and John, seeing the one of the first miracles, the crippled beggar. And I'm tying this, I'm going to be tying Acts 4 into some of the things that Jesus said. Uh, Mark 16, 17, 17 to 18. And these sounds will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands. Uh, Nick does that a lot. And if they drink deadly poison, he doesn't do that, thank goodness. It will not hurt them. Uh, they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. We see Peter and John do that in Acts 3. And Now Acts 4 is when the disciples now are taking some heed for this. Jesus himself said, If the world hates you, therefore it, it, it hates me also. You were, if you were of the world the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you, listen to that, I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Jesus is painting a picture there that expects some resistance as you go along and and do the things that I've called you to. It's part of it. Promise of, of us being God's dwelling place, the church being God's dwelling place where His Spirit is made manifest here on earth, the promise of the Holy Spirit Himself, and now as you go out and you you fulfill the mandate that's been called to you of actually taking ground for me, expect some resistance. Just two weeks ago, I was, was, and this is for free, I was sitting there and like, Lord, you know, running my own business is hard sometimes because there's resistance all the time. He said to me, yeah, but that's called breaking ground. You're actually breaking some stuff open that's not meant to be broken. The ground's quite happy just to sit there. It's been, its natural design is just to lay there and, and, and not be moved. But you're the one who's going there and you're actually having to make a path where there's not. And that's for us as a church as well. This is a church plant. We are making ways where actually there's no ways to be made. That's why I just felt in my heart this morning we need to go to this place of He actually is the way maker. Because when we try trying to push things, we will experience resistance. It's not meant to be easy. That's why he's called us to do it. The reason why the world hated Jesus, the reason why the world today rejects God, is actually from a place of fear. Because when we give our lives to Jesus, when, when we understand that God is sovereign, we actually have to hand over the reins to him. No longer is it what John wants to do, where how John wants to live his life, he ultimately has to put the trust in Jesus. And that's a very, very scary thing for the world. That's why the Sanhedrin were quite happy to, to, to uh, allow the disciples just to carry on. But as things start to get a little bit hectic, they actually came in and tried to squash it. Because they knew in that season they would no longer have control of the people. Fear is the opposite of faith. And we know this. But fear is the thing that the enemy will always try and bring into our lives. We see this in in the garden. Did God actually say, you shall not eat from the tree? Fear is this this thing where, where a lot of us go off the path. It's the thing that the enemy tries to use to the world and say, can you really trust in God? Can you really be be fully devoted to him? As a single person? Can I really trust him to bring a lady? Can I really trust him in my business? These are things that the enemy loves to come and and hit our our, our minds with. But I'm gonna still Craig Rochelle here. It's overcoming the war in our minds. Our our we will, our lives will always follow in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So are our thoughts of this, of faith, or are our thoughts of fear this morning? Now can I ask us a question, as, as a church, how do we move forward? What is it that, that we need to, to take out of Acts 4 will will, that will advance us forward? I'll give you a clue, it's on the screen. It's to go on a bold adventure. And when I read X4, those, the boldness stood out three times. Maybe more that I've just not seen. <laughs> X4. And I'm reading from 23 to 31. I should just take it down. Yeah. Can I just speak to this picture again? Sorry. So I was. Knew God wanted uh, to speak about boldness this morning, and I was actually looking through yesterday. I wanted to try find like some shoes that are standing over an edge of a building, where you could see a road like really, really high up, and I couldn't find anything. But I came across this image, and I felt God say, so "You needed to use that." I said, "But I don't like it." He said, "It's not about <laughs> you." And here you see a man. He's he's sitting there with his boots on a rock, overlooking stuff. And God really spoke to me through that image, just saying, well, what is he doing? He's seated. He's seated on the rock. God, our rock. He's gone on an adventure. And that's the place that you and I operate from as, as we go on this, this journey, this adventure together. Actually, is from a place of being seated. It's from a place of rest. Where we actually get to overlook who God is and what he's done, but we still get to wear the boots. Acts 4. So what's happened is, 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 is John and Peter have, have, been, have spent the night in prison. They've been brought to the Sanhedrin. And they've been asked to, to, to explain what they're doing, why they've done it, and what name. They said, we, we have to speak about this name of, of Jesus. And, then, and jumping down, they said, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, with through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in the city they, they were gathered against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. The Cambridge definition of boldness is a brave and confident way of behaving that shows no fear. A biblical definition, boldness is an attitude of strong confidence in God that, God, that godly things are said And done openly without fear of the consequences. Synonyms, courage, confidence, fearlessness. And I don't want to bring a a heavy on us. Please, hear my heart. This is, this, uh, that is in the word of God. And I have to take us there. But in Revelation 21.8, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, and the murderers, the sexual, sexual immoral, immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all lies, the portion will be in the lake that burns with sulfur and is a second death. Jesus himself, through revelation, actually says, cowardness, to not be bold, to not be courage, he views in the same light of those who are, who are sinners. Uh, like I said, I don't mean to be heavy, but why does he say that? Well, actually, can you imagine it from his perspective? He's just died, he's just gone on the cross, he promises, he promises us the gift of the Holy Spirit, and yet we don't do anything with it. So what are the practical ways that you and I can develop boldness and be courage, be full of courage and be fearless? Well, number one... Prayer and getting in to the presence of God. In this, in Acts four, we actually see the disciples praying through Psalms two. Why do the nations rage and all the people plot in vain? They're asking. David's writing and he's asking God, why are they wasting their time? Why do they plot in vain? The kings. Of the earth, set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, "And let us burst their bonds apart and cast away the cords from us." Again, you see this this tension between uh, humanity and God, uh, fear versus faith. The rulers there, according to King, uh, according to David. They're wanting to put shackles, uh, they, they, their view of God is that one of shackles, that's one of bondage, which actually is the opposite because God comes to free from the shackles, that God comes to bring, to, to break chains of the enemy. But society and humanity don't want to hand themselves over to God because they view it as bondage. You see how the serpent is such a good liar. He who sits in, in the heaven laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and, and terrify them in his fury, saying, As, I, sorry, as for me, I have set my king as Zion and a holy hill. Here David is talking about Jesus. I will tell you the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I, I have begotten you. Ask of me and I'll give you the nation's as your inheritance, and the ends of the earth, your possessions. How many times do we actually ask well below our privileges? Here, the Lord is speaking through David, and he's saying, ask of me and I'll give it to you. Ask of me of nations, and you'll have it. Ask of him for tinley Manor, for palm Lake, and you'll give it to us. It's a question of our understanding our authority, understanding our sonship, and, our, and being daughters, Asking with boldness. You shall break them with a with a rod of iron and dash them in in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O king, be wise, be warned. Wisdom comes from Jesus. O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and re, with rejoice and trembling. Here David is 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 Understanding something of the fear of God. And you and I need to understand that actually Jesus is much bigger than our problems. It doesn't help for us to be a, a people if, if, if we understand that we need to, to take ground for Jesus. If we call to plant churches, if we call to go and make disciples, that uh, hey, we've got to be a people of faith in a world that's full of fear. It doesn't help if we are fearful and the world is fearful. The two just cancel each other out. I remember there was a time where Jesus himself took me to this place of him being my rock. Uh, I don't want to go into too many details but two or three years ago I'm driving a a drummer uh, back home. He lived in Stanga. He asked me for a lift. And as I'm driving, uh, I just couldn't wait to get the soak out of the car. Uh, he said, um, go right, turn left, go right. And at the time, I was getting retrenched. It was about a week until I was getting retrenched. Massive breakup at the same time. Massive relational issues in the church I was in. And all of this were coming and hitting me hard. And I couldn't wait to get him out the car. Because actually I just wanted to hit the steering wheel and scream. So my thinking at the time was, they're going to take this vehicle away from me. I've actually got no way of ever giving somebody a lift again. And I drove home. And I went to my bed and my thoughts were ranging. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep for about two or three nights. The only way I could sleep was actually imagining Jesus being this warm rock that I could lay my head down, feel the heat, feel the roughness of the surface against my cheek, understanding it is who He says He is. And if God ever has to take me back to that place where I get a greater, so I can get a greater revelation of Him, so be it. Because that was a time He truly revealed who He was to me. Second point. We need to be convinced of our mandate. We cannot separate Christianity and witnessing. The two go together. The Father himself speaks and gives witness to the Son. The Son himself speaks and give, gives witness to the Father. The Holy Spirit comes to bring glory to Jesus. And we all know this. Jesus' first command, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Not follow me and um, you, know, you can... You know, if if it's okay with you, follow me, yeah. And, and yeah, you can have your business and you can do all this. No, follow you, follow me, and I'll make you fishes of men. No, actually, nothing else. Just follow me, and I'll make you fishes of men. His last command before he goes, Acts one eight, you will be my witness and Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth his first and his last commands this venue that we trust in God for as we sit on a rock we dangle our feet over from a place of rest can I just say this if it's okay it's not a trophy it's not where our ministry starts it's now that is just a tool that we get to pick up along the way This land is ours anyway. Ask of me and I'll give you the nations of inheritance. God has given us this portion anyway. God, uh, Nick had a word. break ground here. He's done it. He's gone before us so we can follow him closely behind. He's given us this portion already. Now when it comes to witnessing, when it comes to our mandate, can I just say this? And during... Just going through my notes this morning, I actually wrote here NB 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 three times because, as I was just quickly adding it, I really felt God was on this thing. And uh, theologians and and all of that, you know, things go a different way about what is election, what is this, you know. We know that not everybody's going to be saved, and but can I just say this: the Bible clearly says that this gospel needs to be preached to all nations, and then the end will come. God Himself said, for God so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son. So loved the world. It is God's heart that all should be saved. For God so loved, not He He didn't just say, for I so loved the elect. For I so loved just a certain group of people. For He so loved the world. It's an inclusive. So when we understand this mandate, do we Do our hearts go, actually, no, the Lord wants all of Palm Lakes to be saved. The Lord wants all of Tinley Manor to be saved. The Lord wants the entire North Coast to be saved. Our inheritance here is rich. And when we look at it from that mindset and go, actually, there's so much work to be done. And then the end will come. Point three, we need to step out the boat. Let's step out of our comfort zone. Comfort and growth will always be in competition with one another. Megan Cobart said, Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something is more important than fear. Fear is not of faith. And seeing the lost saved is way more important than our own little insecurities. When we put that down and say, Hey, you know, maybe I'm not the greatest preacher. Maybe I'm not the greatest person on the media. Maybe I'm, you know, not the best person when it comes to running. All of that falls away when I understand actually the mandate is to seek and save the lost. And that is far more important than it'll me and what I think of myself. Fourth thing, keeping community close. And just this week I was... I was tested on this. We do not belong to ourselves anymore. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? You have been made from God. You are not your own. For you were bought with a price So glorify God in your body. Can I say this to us as Adventure Church? I no longer belong to myself. I belong to you. Jesus clearly shows us that we are all part of his body. My finances, my time, my likes, my interests, uh, my own insecurities, my gifting, no longer belongs to me. It actually belongs to all of us. And when we operate from that revelation, we see God's power manifest. I knew God wanted me to, to speak on boldness this morning, mainly because it's also for me. I was just saying to a a friend during the week, Hey, you know what? I'm preaching on boldness on Sunday, but if I have to be 100% honest with you right now, I'm feeling quite defeated. I'm not feeling like I'm winning at life. I said, these are some areas where where, uh, I don't feel like I'm having the greatest breakthrough. And this person came and just spoke those areas over me and pointed out actually the contrary. We need to have people around us that hold us and pick us up when when life comes and tries to throw us down. Notice how many times the people came together to pray in the book of Acts. They came together and prayed and with great boldness. And then the Holy Spirit came. Number five, be generous. With times, with our time, our finances and spiritual gifts. You know, when it comes to the thing of generosity, we don't give to get. But actually, for me, being generous is a thing. Is I refuse to believe that God is not that God is uh, not more than enough. Actually, in a way, with generosity, we take back power. And it's not having power over somebody. Please hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not saying. But actually, what we're saying is to heaven and earth is is, Lord, you've blessed me to be a blessing. Not just with finances, with time and our giftings as well. Every decision I've, I've, I've asked myself, okay, John, making a purchase decision, making this decision on how you spend your time, is it from a place of victory or defeat? If a person's living in victory, how would they make this decision differently? No, I can't afford that, so I'm not going to have it. Now, be wise. I'm not saying, let's not be wise. Uh, I, I don't know if God's going to come through on my finances, so I'm going to hold back in this area. No, that's that's talking from the place of being defeated. And finally, six. Understanding that, that persecution is a result of great power. The church will always have the final say. What does it say there in Psalms 2? He mocks. God himself mocks those who come against his anointed. The early disciples there, and they, 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 they open up in prayer, declaring who God is. Why? Because when we understand and have a revelation of who he is, that he is all sovereign, that he is all great, that he holds the universe in his hands, then we actually understand what we're dealing with. That the author himself, that God himself, is bigger than any situation that we can have. And we know this, and and, and and we quite often just flippantly say it, but do we actually understand how big God is? Because when we're in a situation, when our back is up against the wall, when... We're not experiencing breakthrough. When, we defeat, when we're experiencing defeat, understanding that this is the one who merely just spoke the world into being and it happened, speaks to us as well. The one who spoke and he said, let there be light, speaks to us. And he says, go into all the world and make fishes of men. That is the God that we serve. And when the disciples back to against the wall, they, they first start by declaring that that this is a God who's way bigger than the Sanhedrin. This is God whose sovereign will is way greater than the agenda and the political aspirations of man. And as you and I go out and we rage war against powers and principalities, understanding that that is a God who has called us to this task and he will watch over his word to fulfill it. Just look at what happened during lockdown and everybody brings up COVID. The cornerstone church was told, no more meetings. What is the result of that? Redemption and adventure church being planted. When powers and principalities try to hit the church, we see the church evolve and the church become victorious. Actually, persecution brings power and boldness. See in Acts four, and I didn't notice it till this morning, and it seems quite obvious. Like, how did I miss that? The disciples prayed for boldness, and it said they left with boldness. (laughs) I was like, Lord, really? You took this whole week to show me that this morning. Psalms two, who he sits in the heaven laughs, the Lord's hold them, in in duration. When I was in grade nine and 10, uh, I can't remember exactly what year it was, but uh, we were all getting ready for soccer, It's probably why I'm not a big fan of soccer. Um, We were all there and we're getting ready in, in the men's locker room, And this massive oak came and picked me by my neck put his shoe in front of my face in front of everyone and said kiss my shoe and I was looking at the shoe and part of me was actually thinking well just do it and he'll go away but actually God spoke to me so clearly in that moment and he said to me John don't you dare kiss that shoe and at that time God, I was more fearful of God than I was with this person who had me by the stuff of my neck. And I turned to this person and I just said to him, no. But as I said it, I can't explain it. I can't explain it theologically, but it wasn't me speaking. And this person actually ran out the locker room. The fear of the Lord is our strength. And when society and when circumstances come of us by the scruff of our neck and say, Kiss my shoe in those moments is actually the fear of God greater than the fear that we have over those situations. I don't know if I can do this. I'm fearful. I'm fearful of, of sowing there my finances while well, actually now I'm more fearful of God if I don't. Is that the place that we operate from? And ask us to stand. Lord, I pray this morning that, like the disciples asked, Lord, give us boldness. And then they had boldness. Lord, I pray that over us as well. That we'd have boldness, that there would be nothing in our way that stops us from going after the things that you've called us to. You've called us to inherit the earth. You've called us to take this area. You've, you've called us to much. And Lord, I just pray that we would have a, a greater fear of you. If we don't, then we actually have a fear over our circumstances. And Lord, you promised the Holy Spirit. You say the, the the role of. The person of the Holy Spirit is to get, bring glory to Jesus through us. You say, greater is that, that I go. Because then I will send a helper to you. And we don't for a second want to step on your glory. But you did say that we would do greater things. And as so many people dismiss the book of Acts. And so many people say, no, that were how the Holy Spirit operated then isn't for us now. Well, actually, Lord, if you say that we go from glory to glory with ever-increasing glory, well, then actually we should be seeing that in a greater measure now than they did then. And, Lord, I just pray for that, that every single day, every single week, we would see your power, the person of your Holy Spirit, manifest in our lives. To a greater and greater and greater degree. I thank you God that you are somebody who is always progressive. And as we get to go on this adventure together. We'd be able to look back at all the things that you've, you've brought us to. All the things that we've overcome. Because Lord we have to overcome them. So you set an example to those who are following us. We would love this area to see hey those what what is it about those people, how God has blessed them in their finances, how God has blessed them in their gathering up together, that there is something about them that is different. That people came into this church and walked out healed. We pray for those testimonies, Lord, and we, we, we don't want to boast. But Lord, I pray that you would shake your church, you would shake this area, that that people would actually go, Wow, the fear of the Lord is real. That people came into that house, that people came into that venue, and they left completely changed for the better. And that would echo over this area. In Jesus' name. Amen. I was to next. They got together and they prayed for boldness and they prayed for the power of the Holy Spirit. And if it's okay, I'd like us to pray that too. That actually we'd lay hands on each other. That would, together, as they were, they came together, they asked God together and that we would come together and ask God for boldness and we would ask Him or the power of the Holy Spirit. But okay?